This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Hello and welcome back to the City Report podcast. I am Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. Some of you may notice... A new cover art. How snazzy does that look, Adam? It looks great. You sent it to me in the uh, middle of the summer, and I've been itching to be able to put it mm. up. So they, it looks lovely. It looks like we'll have some some rotating art because you're just uh, one of those artsy types, I guess. Yeah, yeah, creative, if, if that's what you call. But seemingly, uh, I know it's the same for you in the US. Creatives don't make money, so this is this is the world we're living in. Um, how are you doing anyway? What have you been up to? I have been surviving. We are in the midst of a heat wave, uh, much like the one you had last week, even though you were in uh, sunny Greece, I believe. Yeah. But um, Cold Greece yeah, we've, compared. True. Um, we have been in the high 30s. I think we, we got up to 40 once. And uh, yeah, last night I was sitting in my room reading a nice book, having a cup of Ooh, tea. What you and uh, it's called Republic of Thieves. It's a kind of fantasy Lord of the Ringsy type novel. Um, but I looked down at my phone and this is after 9.30 PM, sun's long gone. It was, let's see, let me do the calculation in my head. It was about 32 degrees Fahrenheit Ooh, at night with the sun down, or I'm sorry, 32 degrees Celsius. That sounds horrendous that sounds yeah. absolutely horrendous um i found out something interesting about you last night that you'd i don't know if you'd kept it under wraps or you just you just let it slip but apparently you used to be quite the 
you, you put it as pro gamer. You used to be quite the uh, the video gamer, and, and you reckon, by your own admission, you could have gone far. So, look at you. You sat here speaking to me when you could have been making millions playing playing esports or or some other sort of video game. I don't know that I would be making millions, but I certainly uh, <laughs> played in some some major league gaming tournaments as a young teenager. That's for sure. That's crazy. That's crazy. Fair play. Um, right then, what we're here to do today is obviously speak football, in particular City. In terms of my time, I've just been consumed by the Women's Euros, which have been a really good tournament that's unfolded. Obviously, plenty of City contingent in that in that uh, England team as well. They're through to the final on Sunday evening. But that isn't the only final. A beautiful segue, not pre-planned. But that is not the only final this weekend, is it? Because competitive football returns for Manchester City in the community dinner plate, whatever you want to call it, against Liverpool. Now, we're going to run through a few topics before we get to our preview for that game. And as always, we've had some great listener questions to throw in there as well. We'll kick things off by rounding off the recent preseason tour, which we were we're going to do something earlier in the week. But I believe you're you had quite the, the hectic week trying to sort out some car registration thing. Obviously, you've moved states, and it, it seemed like an absolute hassle. So we didn't get through that. Um, we both watched half of the Bayern Munich game. There was a lot of controversy with the weather and getting the game done and it being stopped and started etc so we both managed to see one half me due to sleeping you due to going to the Portland Timbers what were you most impressed with from that sort of 40 minutes or so I actually ended up seeing all of the game because because of the weather delay so the 20 minutes or so in which I was in the uber to the pub to go to the Timbers game was the the weather delay. And so by the time I got to the pub and I got in line to to order a beer, the game had kicked back off and oh, nice. sat, had my beer, had a burger and and watched the rest of the game and then went out to the to the stadium. Um, it was a weird game because of that weather delay. It just mm. felt like kind of off kilter the whole game and felt a bit chaotic. Um, but I think it like the game against Club America, it was it felt pretty intense. It felt like a really competitive mm. game, um, which is great news because that's exactly what City needed, especially when they have a pretty short preseason. I can't remember them ever having only 1.75 preseason games <laughs> leading into a, yeah. a season. Even even if they'd played the whole game against Bayern and played two, I still feel like that would have been a bit short. I'll pick you up on that immediately because it's not in the it's not in the running order, but... I was. I don't know what. I don't know what the word. City always have short pre-seasons. I feel like. I think last season it was three behind closed doors. Maybe another one was cancelled. I can't quite remember. But it was against the likes of Preston North End and similarly. I think Blackpool was in there as well. The season before obviously was COVID, so there was that gap in between the Champions League ending and the new season starting, which was about seventeen minutes. The season before that, going back a bit again, I don't think there was that many preseason games. Now, do you think this is? Do you, do you think this is an issue? And, and I guess the stock answer straight away is no, because City have won what four out of the last five Premier League titles, so something works. But it always does feel, doesn't it, that City go into preseason a game or two short? And I guess you sort of consider the Charity Shield, the Community Shield, as part of that preseason, even though it's a competitive game and whatnot. But two games doesn't feel like a lot of a lot of game time does it 
It doesn't. And I think in years past, it hasn't felt like an issue. And partly because there hadn't been much turnover in the squad as of late. And mm. the, the team was so used to playing with each other. And really the only kind of newcomers in preseason were the odd signing here and there and some academy products that were coming up and playing with the first team. But other than that, it's kind of second nature for a lot of these guys to play together. Mm. Um, whereas this summer, there's a lot more turnover in the squad. And, you know, we've got Calvin Phillips playing some games, Erling Holland making his preseason debut. Um, you know, a couple other academy kids that are coming up that, that, that impressed. But I think if there is any fear, it's at the fact that there's a couple of new guys that maybe haven't gotten enough time to mm. bet in. Um, but I think, thankfully, they don't feel like crucial cogs in the machine. I mean, obviously, Erling Holland is a huge, huge signing, and he's going to be a crucial player for City. But you don't look at City and say, oh, without a center forward, they can't play because mm-hmm. we know that they can. Um, so if he needs some time to bet in or if you know, Julian Alvarez has got to play, who also looks good in preseason, then I'm a little bit comfortable with it, but I think if there is any fear kind of in the back of your mind, it's it's at the fact that there's a bit more squad turnover this year than than others. I guess the the immediate counter argument is in any season, this season is the one where you probably don't want to be adding any unnecessary fixtures in the mix, which is why the mid-season friendly against Barcelona in the middle of August was all, all the even more confusing. But I'm looking at the schedule running up to it. Obviously, the players would have arrived back in the UK this week or Sunday evening or something like that. I can't remember. A couple of days off, back into training. Community Shield on Saturday. I'm thinking that midweek in between West Ham and Liverpool, there's there's a gap there, whether it's at the Etihad, whether it's at the Academy Stadium, whether, I don't know, it's in northern Germany or somewhere close or just across the channel. There's, a, there's an opportunity for an extra game there. And then you round your season off with sort of four games before the Premier League season. I, I reckon that might have made sense. But hey, we're not the ones in charge and, and probably better off that we're not. Um, back to that buying game then to wrap it up. I, I'd, have, I'd had a similar sort of rocky journey into watching it. I'd been at France versus Netherlands in, in the Women's Euros. That game was in Rotherham. It'd gone to extra time, which means by the time I got back from Yorkshire, it was well gone midnight. I was expecting to roll up, curl up in bed and, and stick it on. But but much to my surprise that the game hadn't even started. I think I was brushing my teeth ready for bed when Erling Haaland did his thing. And that was the main talking point, really, wasn't it, from the game? Obviously, the only goal. Can you call that a debut goal, do you think, or a debut in itself? Or do we have to wait for a competitive game? Is that just sort of... I guess it is his first game, but I've seen people complaining that you can't have a debut in preseason. Is that just nonsense? I think statistically you can't, right? Yeah, like, okay. like literally it does not count. So I'm going to stick with that. I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm fairly certain he still has zero appearances for City. Right, okay. Um, and I, I would stick with that. And yeah, it was a cool moment to see him stick the ball in the back of the net, especially, you know, only taking 12 minutes. Um I think the thing that I took away from it was everybody was really excited for him. Like the players were jumping all over him, slapping him on the back of the head. And (laughs) um, everyone was really excited to see him score, which is funny because it's just what we expect. We just expect Mm -hmm. him to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, 
But the goal itself, while it wasn't a thing of beauty, it was kind of exactly what City had been missing. Yeah, It was yeah. A, wi- a winger pulls the ball back across the face of goal. And how many times have we seen that ball just shoot across the face of goal and, and end up at the corner flag because someone wasn't there to attack it and, and he was there to get a toe on it. So yeah, it was a little small moment, but it made me very excited. It's interesting you say that because go back a couple of years and and in another life before football and sports media, I worked as a football coach and and I'd speak a lot to the young kids about sort of replicating this sort of trademark city goal, which was always get to the byline, cut it back towards a six yard box penalty spot, and and you have a simpleish tap in. But over the last eighteen months, two seasons, so that that seemed to disappear a little bit hasn't it that that trademark city goal where you speak about your wingers getting to the byline and, and cutting it back just hasn't been happening because the players haven't been there with the false nine you obviously lose that presence at the at the top top end of the pitch and and you do feel as though with the arrival of Haaland and even Julian Alvarez as well we are going to see that return um in terms of other impressive performances from that game, a couple I made note of. Nathan Ake's had probably for me the best preseason tour, which again it's weird because it's only two games, but he his keeping him, I think, will be absolutely crucial. And I'll keep reiterating that throughout the campaign. Fourth choice in adverted commas, but you're not going to find a better person at the moment in world football to do that job. Um on top of that, Grealish, again, you speak about him there. He was the one who got the assist, obviously. He's looking to really, really enjoy his football this summer. And and possibly part of that is trying to kick lumps out of the Club America players. Part of that is providing assist for Erling Haaland, but he's he I think he's gonna explode and and big things should be coming from him. Um but one player who caught the eye pretty much for the first time, I think it's fair in saying, was obviously Josh Wilson Esbrand, who played quite a few minutes at left back for City in pre-season. Now, part of that is, as we'll come on to a, an ongoing transfer saga, but it leads us to our first question from Dylan Meehan, who asks us, what are the realistic expectations for Wilson Ed, uh, sorry, Wilson Esbrand this season? Does it depend on incomings? Yeah, I mean, I think we've all been excited about this guy for a while, especially those of us who watch the academy pretty regularly. Um, of course, he came in and played against Wickham Wanderers early last season. I think he had a really nice assist from that left-hand mm-hmm. side. I, I want to say it was a Riyad Mahrez goal. Um, and yeah, he definitely excelled in preseason, probably more than we expected. We maybe saw more of him than we expected. But as we know with Pep, it doesn't matter kind of how hyped we are on the potential (laughs) rise of a young star. He will bed them in as slowly as he possibly can. Hmm. I mean, you only have to look at Phil Foden, who from the age of 15, we knew was a generational talent, a future Ballon d'Or winner, just based on the flashes that we saw of him in the youth ranks. And look how long it took Pep to kind of really get him going in the first team. I mean, we all have, have raved about Pep's, um, you know, development of Foden and his process of betting him into the first team. But that just goes to show you that even at the highest level of academy prospects, that's how slowly they're coming into this team. Um, I think the realistic expectations for him this season, I'm going to quantify those expectations and say that he will make around 10 senior appearances. That's high. Um, that, that's pretty high when you consider the numbers other players have been getting, sort of youth team players, etc. So when you look at the the fullback depth, and of course there's still mm. plenty of talk about signings and stuff, but 
Cole Palmer last season, he made he made um he played 413 minutes across 11 appearances for the mm. first team last season and he averaged 38 minutes per appearance. I feel like that's roundabout where we could see Joshua Wilson as brand. Um you know, and when you think about last season, you kind of think this Cole Palmer as a true first team player. He was playing in the Champions League, he had a, a Premier League start against Everton. Um so I think that's somewhat realistic based off of what we've seen and the comments we've heard from Pep about Wilson S brand. So I'm going to say around 10 senior appearances is probably a realistic expectation for him. Okay. Okay. And and as always, that often depends on how far City go in the domestic cup competitions. Cause last year, um, deep run in the FA cup, but our deepish run, and then obviously the the Carabao Cup was was a pretty early exit. So some of those youth team players had that Wickham game, and, and it was pretty much it. Um, we were having a discussion, weren't we, last week? I think it was before we we hit record on on the podcast, and it was essentially around Wilson Esbrand, who did well in the Club America game, and he backed it up with another strong performance. And, and we were basically saying to have not been sold off in this sort of EDS Academy fire sale if you like this season you have to have sort of some confidence in the player being able to perform and some confidence that the the management staff and the the Guardiola himself see a future with this player and and I think the the main ones there are Luke and Bette who obviously had a new contract in the summer I think it was and Wilson Esbrand who of course the asterisk with this is always going to be the fact City are looking at a left back and I'd be incredibly surprised if City don't finish the transfer window having bought a left back whether that's Kukure or other, otherwise but you do feel as though there's the option for for Wilson Esbrand to make a, a claim for himself and initially when he said 10 games I thought probably a little bit too high but when you spell it out and you go no actually there's Kyle Walker at right back and there's Jao Cancelo who can play both those roles at the moment Nathan Ake can do a little bit of uh, left back as well but he is literally Wilson Esbrand is the only natural left back at the club at the moment and even if Kukurea or somebody else comes in he's going to he's going to have quite a lot of minutes you would assume now I come to think of it and now you spelled it out yourself if Walker or Cancelo get injured, for example. Yeah, I mean, I could see him playing probably every Carabao Cup game from the start and featuring heavily in the FA Cup, depending on the quality of opponents we draw in mm. the early rounds. Um, yeah, it's it's he looks really good. He looks really raw. Mm. He has moments in which you can tell that he has got far more ability than he has smarts at the moment, but that's normal with a young player. It's a good thing. It's a very good thing. Absolutely. And 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 when that can be reined in by somebody like Pep, then he's going to be a fantastic player. And I'm really looking forward to the season because I think that he will impress maybe more than than we expect. But I think if he gets around that 10 appearance mark, then that's probably successful for him. Yeah, and he's in the right place, isn't he, under Pep Guardiola to improve. Um, let's stick with the left-back topic then, and we'll do the Kukurea chat now, because much like recent seasons, it's becoming a trend and, and sort of quite the quite the occurrence for City in a transfer window. This is turning into quite the saga. As we sit here today, then, the latest seems to be that City are very much still interested and are prioritising his signature at left-back, but they have issues over the £50 million price tag Brighton have set on his head. 
with four years or so left on his deal, you, you can't begrudge Brighton for holding out on a big fee at all. They've established themselves in the Premier League quite, I'd have to say, quite comfortably. Going back, I, I can't remember a season where Brighton have looked as if they're going to be in a dogfight at the bottom. Their first campaign in the Premier League was Pep Guardiola's second, so City's centurion year. And they've just sort of been comfortable in that sort of 16 to what we say eighth position I don't know their highest finish but it feels as though they've been there or thereabouts but at the same time City can't be begrudged or criticised for trying to bring that price down as much as possible because quite simply put that's how big clubs operate right I mean I'd say this is how any club operates I mean you just well, have to go and Barcelona, look at Barcelona would, would say absolutely not. And Manchester United yeah, but, have certainly But Barcelona are more than not. a club. <laughs> nice. They're also a wedding venue. <laughs> and a five-a-side um, pitch. Yeah. Um, look, this has been a funny one because it's like you've got one side where it's you've got City fans online that are up in arms that that Brighton would demand 50 million pounds for, for Mark Kukurea. And then on the other hand, you've got the Brighton fans that are up in arms over city only bidding something around 30 million, 35 million. <laughs> this is just how transfer negotiations work. Hmm. The club sets a price and the buying club is going to start coming in lower and they're just going to eventually meet in the middle. And that's just how kind of every single transfer goes with clubs that are well run. We'll put that, that asterisk in there. Mm. Um, so I don't really get the saga thing. I mean, it's going on a little bit longer than I had hoped, especially the fact that we've already sold Zinchenko. I'd like to kind of get it wrapped up for my own mm. peace of mind. Mm. Um, but this is just normal. Like this is just a transfer negotiation. One club has a valuation, the other club has a valuation and they will try and meet in the middle and everybody will be happy. So I, there's no party in the wrong here. Brighton values this player at whatever they value him at. That's their right. It's their player. They own his contract. And City value them at what they value him at. That's their right. It's their scouting department. It's their, you know, it's their money. Um, so, yeah, this is just normal. I'm a bit, I'm a bit over this whole um, saga thing. Well, you've been over the transfer window since it opened yeah, true. On, on whatever, July the 1st or whatever it was. Um, I have a little bit more tolerance for the transfer window while simultaneously hoping it finishes tomorrow. Um, I, I do think it's dragging into the saga, sort of the, the, the saga zone, if you can call it that. It, it does start, start and, and I include the sort of the, the noise from fans and journalists in this as well, that it, it's turning a little bit toxic. I'll actually say on it though, I, I'm surprised Brighton are only saying fifty million pounds, and I'm, I'm surprised actually City aren't willing to meet that. Granted, you know City want to get it down as low as possible if, from a, a neutral's point of view. If I can step back and, and look at it like that for itself, City have had an unbelievable transfer window, and even if they go big on Kukurea, they're still looking at making a handsome profit. But at twenty four years old, he's played one season in the Premier League. He won there. I can't remember if it was Fans Player of the Year or Players Player of the Year last season, Brighton's um, Brighton's award. He's obviously come from the Barcelona Academy. He's got huge potential. Every chance that he can break into the Spanish national team as well. £50 million, when you consider that's exactly the same fee, they asked Arsenal for Ben White this time last year. Now, I like Ben White, but I'd say right now off the bat, Mark Kukurea is 
I don't know if he's a better player, but he's certainly got bigger potential than Ben White. And it, fifty million pounds seems seems quite low in it when when you come to think of it. Um, one thing though, from another side, another another sort of lens looking in about this has been the comments from Kukurea's camp because this player seriously wants to move to City, and you really you don't have to spend long to find out why City are doing some fantastic stuff. But it's reminiscent for me a little bit of 2010's Barcelona where all Barcelona would need to do in the transfer window was say that they were interested in a player and that's half the work done really, isn't it? That that pull, that lore of obviously Guardiola was there at the time as well, but but just the club itself and wanting to play for this club. And, and we're seeing it now in the turmoil Barcelona are in. They're still being able to attract major signings. Rafinha chose Barcelona over Chelsea, who were European champions less than, what, two years ago. Uh, It looks like Jules Koundé is going to go there as well. So it seems as though we are now seeing the true strength of City's pulling power as an elite club in Europe. Yeah, and it's it's a sight to see, to be honest. Um, And yeah, with with Kukurea, it's it's interesting because all the talk is that he's desperate for the move. His camp is, is pushing for the move. And, you know, there was, there was the reports from sources, whether you trust them or not, that he um, was pretty angry with the price tag that was set. His agent mm-hmm. was pretty angry with the price tag that was set. But when you look at what other players are going for in the market right now, 50 million isn't insane for this guy. No. The only thing that you could look at maybe is that he's only got one year of Premier League experience under his belt. But in that one year, he was in the top two or three in every statistical category for fullbacks last season, along with basically just Jao Cancelo and, and Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, so that's a that's pretty lofty standards for a guy that's only played one season in the Premier League. If you're looking at it from City's point of view... You know, fifty million is about what they paid for for Kyle Walker back in twenty seventeen. Obviously, mm. that was you know half a decade ago. Um, but if you're looking at Kukurea as a guy that probably won't come in and start right away, if we're assuming that Cancelo is the starting left back, Kyle Walker at right back, that's a bit of a hefty fee. But then again, they've just paid nearly forty five million for Calvin Phillips, who also mm. probably won't be a starter right off the bat. So. I think the sweet spot is probably going to be around that somewhere between 40 and 50. They're yeah. probably going to end up landing there if this deal gets done, which I see it getting done. I don't think Brighton will want this to go sour mm. um, with mm. Kukurea. And I don't think you want to have that reputation as a club in the Premier League when you are, you know, no offense to Brighton, but when you are one of those clubs that is. I won't call it a development club, but you're just one of those smaller clubs that players are going to come there. And if they do well, they're likely going to get picked off by somebody in Europe or somebody higher up the the, the table in the Premier League. And you don't want to have a reputation of being stubborn about letting players go and, and kind of forcing them to stay around because of your potentially lofty valuation. So I, I see this getting done, um, whether or not it's difficult and annoying. Uh, is another thing, but I, I do see it getting done probably around that forty-five million mark. Do you think there's there's an ego problem here with potentially Brighton supporters and, and Brighton as a club themselves? Because I'm I was delighted when they got promoted. I, I'm delighted they're still in the Premier League. I, I love seeing them play football. I think Graham Potter has a 
extremely bright future in football management and it's in no small part to the opportunities been given by Brighton. I said they've established themselves in the Premier League. When I come to do my Premier League predictions in a couple of days' time, I think they'll be comfortably above the relegation zone. I don't see them having any issues there, even though they've not particularly had one of the best transfer windows in their history. But as you say there, you, you said you don't, didn't want to be disrespectful to Brighton. I don't think it's disrespectful to, to speak about a club who less than 20 years ago were in League Two and have had a meteoric rise through some fantastic investment from a local businessman, I'm, I think I'm right in saying, and now establishing the Premier League and are attracting talents and are attracting bids from the Premier League champions and favourites for the for the title again, having just won back-to-back. I don't think it's disrespectful to, to see them as this sort of stepping stone. And I don't think Brighton fans should sort of turn the back on that because you can you can be an incredibly successful club from operating in that model now it's on a different scale of course and the, and the history is 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 sort of incomparable but it's no different to the way brushy dortmund acts it's no different to the way someone like ajax acts and you can you can find yourself sort of meddling the way into the top eight in the Premier League by just building a reputation of, yeah, we'll take a talent who maybe is released from the Barcelona Academy at a young age, went to a new club, we'll take a risk on him and we'll make a profit on him. I, I don't think that's that's unfair to categorise Brighton in that in that sort of in that bracket. And it doesn't seem as though at the moment the supporters and the club itself are happy with that. They want, they almost seem to have, for me, they almost seem to have a, an inflated worth at this moment, which I don't think is something we've seen from Brighton so far. I don't, I don't remember Ben White being this sort of, this elongated and, and Arsenal sort of dragging it out and the, the fans being, oh no, why is, why is he going there, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, there seems to be a thing about players wanting to go to City. There's still some sort of stigma about going to City over going to one of the darling mm. clubs like United or, or Arsenal or Liverpool. Um, you know, we saw it firsthand with Jack Grealish. I cannot imagine Jack Grealish got this, would have gotten the same amount of stick last summer had he gone to United or had he gone to, no, no. I don't know, Arsenal, something like that. Um there still seems to be a stigma about City buying talent from the Premier League, from, from clubs lower mm. down in the Premier League. I don't know why. United did it for decades. Liverpool did it for decades before that. It's just the way that big mm. clubs operate. Um, so, yeah, it's it's this weird thing with City that people have this weird view that there it's, you know, we're, what was the what did the Villa fans say to, to Jack? You're leaving all of this to go play for a club that was formed 10 years ago? <laughs> it's. I, I would imagine that Brighton fans feel the same way. If you have any sort of respect for a fan base or their tradition or their history, um, just wait till one of their players mm. is linked with City and you will lose all of that respect quite quickly. Yeah, it will evaporate. Um, I was going to ask you how you see this playing out, but you've already you've already covered that. So I guess I'm the same. I think City will get Kukurea. I would assume it will be around forty-two, forty-three million pounds plus add-ons. But equally, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see City walk away if if Brighton are being awkward about it. You, I don't. Going back to last season with the Harry Kane business, that was for me an exception to the rule in the way City operate in the transfer business and they'd set the sights on him and 
okay, whilst they did walk away, it went deep into the window and, and potentially because there weren't any alternative options on, on the market. But City have this sort of pedigree for saying, right, okay, you don't wanna, we don't want to do it, we'll go elsewhere. Whether or not there are other options on the market, we'll wait and see. Reports about someone like Grimaldo from Benfica, but that doesn't necessarily off the bat to me seem like someone who would have the quality to come in and challenge João Cancelo for that starting position, whereas Mark Cucurey certainly would. And I guess it brings us full circle then, doesn't it? Because we spoke about Wilson Esbrand and we spoke about Nathan Ake's importance to the, to the squad. They could be finding themselves getting a lot of minutes if suddenly come the end of August, City going, right, there's no one there at left back. Boys, you've got to step up. And to wrap up the Kukreya chat then, we've had a question from Sal who asks us whether or not you think, well, I've just given my sort of penny on it, whether or not you think City would be okay going into the new season without purchasing a left back. It's quite the risk, especially mm. given the fact that Zinchenko has walked out the door in the last week or so. Um, you're basically relying on Joshua Wilson S. Brand being able to step up and be Zinchenko and be somebody yeah. that will come in for 10 to 15 odd games and there be no drop off, little to no drop off from, from the bona fide starters. So. That's a lot to ask of a kid that's made like three senior appearances in his life outside of preseason. Um, so yeah, I think it would be a huge risk and and I wouldn't necessarily be comfortable with it. And I'm not one that typically is constantly hoping for big money signings and, yeah. and insane amounts of squad depth. I appreciate when clubs you know, bring up kids and, and give youth a, a chance and I'd love for City to do that more. Um, but I think in this situation, going into the season with two senior fullbacks for a club that wants to be challenging on minimum of three fronts, I mean, that's just not enough. Mm. I think the the proof in the pudding here is the fact that you let Zinchenko go almost uncontested. We don't know what went on behind the scenes there, but it, it shows you that they are 100% expecting a left-back to come in this summer. It, it feels for me as if it was this time next year and Wilson as brand was a year or two older and he'd had those um those predicted ten appearances that you said he'd get this season and and you know had had that little bit of extra experience in senior football, then City would be like, Okay, then if if you don't want to pay it, if you don't wanna let us go a bit low with the valuation for Kukreya, well we've got a guy here who can do a decent enough job. But at the tender age that he is at the moment, it does seem as though it's probably one season too early, but we'll have to wait and see, like I said, given the pedigree City have with walking away from deals. Um, we'll move on to some actual real-life competitive football that's on the horizon then. City facing Liverpool in the Community Shield on Saturday at Leicester City's King Power Stadium. Liverpool, the FA Cup winners, and City, obviously, reigning Premier League champions Again, um, first question then, and it comes from friend of the show and regular panellist, Ollie, who asks us, how bothered are you to, me and you, uh, Adam, that is, for City to actually lift the community shield? Is it a glorified friendly or is there actually some importance in this curtain raiser? For some odd reason, I always love the community shield. Um, It's one of those games that... You don't think about it at all throughout the season. You don't think about, oh, I'm looking forward to next season's Community Shield. But once you once you see it on the fixture list and it's there and 
you're a couple of weeks away and now we're what three or four days away. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. And if you can't tell already by my constant complaining about the transfer window, I'm not a summer person. I just walk around. I bother my girlfriend. I stare aimlessly out the window. I just sit around and wait for the season to start. Yeah. Yeah. And that's partly why I love the Community Shield. And I do love winning it. It's such a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. It's one of those games that I absolutely love winning it. And I will celebrate it like a trophy, but I could not give a shit if we lose it. Yeah, I think that succinctly sums it up. You say you're not a summer person. You want to get into cricket, mate. That's exactly what the summer's built for. That that, that fills the <laughs> I'll void. I'll continue perfect. to look out the window. Thank you. <laughs> None of that slander. Um, I'm I'm unmoved by the Community Shield, to be honest. I'll start by saying it is a trophy. It most definitely is. And regardless of the result on Saturday and regardless of the result in previous years, it is a trophy. Um, and it should definitely be considered as such. It's probably just that little bracket below the League Cup in terms of sort of prestigiousness, if you like. But on the continent, Super Cups are huge, massive occasions. You know, the the German Super Cup is one of the biggest names in the in uh, sorry, one of the biggest dates in the German footballing calendar. Same in France, same in Italy. So much so that they've bloody siphoned it off to the Middle East, and and similarly with with the Spanish Super Cup, they've turned it into a mini tournament where you don't even have to win a trophy and you can compete. But for me, I feel as though it just lacks that little bit of prestigiousness in England for it to really get me by the the horns and really get me engrossed in it. Like I, I sit here today and we're doing the preview of it, and and for me, the Liverpool aspect makes it a bigger a bigger game. But the one the one sort of thing I will say that's that's keeping my interest for now in this game is the fact that it isn't at the usual venue because it's the same with the FA Cup semi-finals for me and it's it's the case with the Community Shield. It most definitely would be uh, 100% more exciting as a match-going supporter if it wasn't at Wembley Stadium, which for me is just such a saturated venue when it isn't for a major final. Um, obviously, like I mentioned at the top, the Women's Euro European Championships final is taking place there on Sunday, meaning it was booked out for the weekend. So City and Liverpool will be making the trip to the King Power instead. But I would just find it incredibly more interesting if the if going forward they held it in different grounds up and down the country because... England has so many superb football grounds that hardly get the light of day. I'm thinking, for example, St. James's Park in Newcastle, um, Nottingham Forest. There's a there's an ace ground there which used to hold, I'm pretty sure, saying plenty of FA Cup semi-finals. Villa Park hosted the Community Shield when City first were in it after the 2012 league win. I thought that could be a potential venue again this year, but but no. But there's so many amazing grounds, and and it just make it almost a lot easier for the fans as well if it wasn't always down in London, which at the moment in City's current era, it seems to be going there near enough every other month. I wonder how it will feel as a spectacle being played at the King Power because Mm. it's just so much smaller and it will feel smaller seeing on television. I mean, if you if you pan out just a little bit from from the camera, you can see outside of the stadium at the King Power. So, um, I mean, what is the allocation going to be? Is it like... It's twelve k each. It's twelve k okay. each. So it's it's sold. And and that to be fair, I'll give it I'll give it its props for allocation wise. It's one of the best, along with the League Cup for, for finals. You do get a large proportion. So it's twelve k each, and, and City have sold out. Okay, yeah. I mean that's that's not bad, but it'll be interesting to see how that feels because 
Villa Park still feels big enough. You know, if mm-hmm. you had it somewhere like Old Trafford, that's big. If you had it at, at St. James Park, that's big. But um, yeah, this just feels small. And I think that will kind of affect the feeling of the game. But at the end of the day, it's it's a City Liverpool game. And that kind of always gets you going no matter what the occasion is. Yeah, yeah, obviously that adds that little bit of needle and we'll we'll discuss what we think will happen in the match now then. Um, starting with this question, another one from Sol, who simply puts, does Haaland start the Community Shield against Liverpool? I doubt it. Uh, I could definitely see him getting 15, 20 minutes at the end, yeah. depending on his fitness, but he clearly isn't fully fit yet and you know Pep will want to ease him in. Um Thankfully, Julian Alvarez was arguably the best player in preseason apart from Jack Grealish. And, you know, I have supreme confidence that he could he could comfortably keep Holland's spot warm while he gets fit. And, um, yeah, I, I don't see it happening. That's It's going to be a really high-intensity game, mm. um, as it always is against against them. So, yeah, I doubt it. Maybe, maybe 10, 15 minutes at the end. Yeah, I'm completely with you there. I've said for some weeks now, I don't think he'll start the Community Shield. I don't actually think he'll start against West Ham first game of the season. I think the first start we'll see for Erling Haaland in a competitive City game will be Bournemouth at home the following week, probably because the quality of opposition isn't going to be that of Liverpool and West Ham. And then then you'd have an extra, uh, a few more minutes in the tank going forward. Um we're obviously recording this before any press conferences, so we'll await confirmation or lack thereof from Guardiola. But I, I just think it's a week or two too early for for Erling Haaland and Guardiola. I think we, we we see this going back to what we see this from City's preseason preparations, where they only do two friendlies out of the country. This is obviously considered a friendly match in terms of preparation for the campaign with a trophy on the and the end of it against Liverpool City's closest competitive rivals in recent years. So it it, it is it is probably not going to be the time to give Erling Haaland his debut in England. Um uh, just picking up on some of that that I've been seeing online. Do you think the fan base is in a little bit of a frenzy around the fact that Erling Haaland hasn't been snapped in every single training session? Uh, there's, there's reports that he's doing his own personalised training regime to get back up to fitness, and, and rightly so, because it rewind two years and, and the amount of football this fella has played, and, and Brushy Dortmund, Adam, you and I cover European football, Brushy Dortmund are notorious for their absolute inability to keep players fit. And he's obviously come from a club where he's had a few injuries. And, and, and just for City to assess where he's at, what where his niggles might come from, where his problems might be, and, and you know what City can do to protect this prize asset, because that's what it really is, isn't it, for City? I don't think this season we can expect, especially with Julian Alvarez coming in, Erling Haaland to start, 56 games in the campaign. I just don't think he's going to be that sort of player. I think he'll probably get close to 40 across all competitions and there's every chance he can score 40 goals in those 40 games. But do you think City supporters, if you had a, if you had chance to send a message at the voice of reason, Adam Booker, do you think you, you would say, just chill out? He doesn't have to be in every single training session putting in 17 goals past poor Scott Carson. Everything will be okay. Yes, that is the. I will put that exact message out there. <laughs> look, if you go back and look at last season's training sessions, I mean, the players coming back from from the Euros and stuff, it was basically the academy. If you go back and look at the yeah. 
the training sessions leading up to like the community shield and, and the opening day game against uh, Tottenham. So yeah, don't, don't be so worried about it. There's no reason to be worried about him not being in photos. It will all be okay. <laughs> he's, he's obviously on the team. We saw him wear the kit, put a ball yeah. in the back of the net. He's on the team. He will play games, give the man some time to get back to fitness. I think, Basically, the entire back half of last season, he was playing with injections at Borussia Dortmund. So, yeah, yeah. like, he clearly was not well taken care of. As you mentioned, most players aren't at Borussia Dortmund. Um, so, give the man some time to get back to full fitness. The Premier League is a higher intensity. It's, you know, a bit more physical. City play a very intense brand of football. A lot of running involved. It's going to take him some time. But... It might be 10 or 15 minutes here or there in the first few games, maybe 30, maybe 40. He's going to be slowly dripped into this team. And and yeah, that that's it. He's on the team. Take a deep breath. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think it will be Julian Alvarez that starts in the centre forward position. Are you on board with that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then I think we'll probably have someone Grealish on the left. Possibly Mares, and then typical midfield Kevin De Bruyne, Rodri, and Bernardo Silva, which leaves the only sort of talking points then around the defence. Now we've had a question from Kipax Kid who who's asked us, and we can tie it into this Community Shield game. What is your ideal centre back partnership for the new season? I think I'm right in saying Barlaport, all three. City centre halves in or senior centre halves in Diaz, Stones, and um, Nathan Ake will be available for this game. So throw Laporte in there. He's, he's probably going to miss a month or two of the season. So throw him back in there. Who are you looking at for the new season as the ones that will be? It's difficult because there is rotation there, but but the ones in in the biggest games in this first pre World Cup part of the season, who are you thinking will be starting there at centre back? It's an interesting question, and I want to caveat my answer by saying that my ideal center back partnership is not what I think is going to be the partnership in the community shield. Um, I think, you know, you would look to, to kind of pick up where city left off last season because that defense was pretty damn solid. Mm. Um, You know, the pairing that we saw that saw the most minutes last season was obviously Ruben Diaz and, and Americ Laporte. And I think that that's where I would be going from the off, fitness pending, of course. Um, however, what makes the center back situation kind of so intriguing is that when you look back at the 2020-21 season, it was John Stones and Ruben Diaz who were the main pairing and almost looked to be forming like a generational partnership mm. together. Um you know, and then Stones had a, a slow return to fitness after the Euros last summer, and Laporte stepped in and and never looked back and, and kept that spot all the way through to to the end of the season. So it could flip on a dime, um, but I would be starting with Laporte and Diaz just because they didn't really put a foot wrong last season. I mean, the only time I remember City being consistently poor defensively was when we had a major injury crisis and mm-hmm. we didn't have that regular back four together on the back end of the season. Um, obviously you have to consider Nathan Ake in there who, who based off what we've seen in preseason is looking like he'll pick up where he left off at the end of last season, which was a great run of form. Um, it's a great problem for Pep to have that all four of these center backs, I think Pep probably would be, and I certainly would be supremely confident in all four of them to play. Um, but yeah, I'd be going with kind of picking up where we left off because they didn't really put a foot wrong for me. And that, that was Diaz and Laporte. 
But for the for the community shield, I would imagine it will be Diaz Nake. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think for uh, I echo that. I think Diaz and Laporte were were sublime. I wouldn't be against seeing Diaz and Stones go back to that sort of twenty 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 one. I think they've got more more than enough in the tank. But but actually on that, I, I don't think City need this sort of bona fide two starting centre backs that we see at other clubs. And I know a lot of the talk from the Liverpool side and the Liverpool circles last season was whether or not it was Van Dijk and Matip or Van Dijk and, and Kunde, who was uh, Kunde um, Kanate, who was the uh, who was the the ideal partnership. But I, I think City have enough quality in there. And they can they can rotate it. We'll see if it changes this year with a a, a centre forward and what that does um, further back in the in the system. But I think whoever it is will do a, a good enough job. Um, we we stuck a poll out on Twitter actually today asking that that same question about who who would be the ideal centre back partnership. And it's actually fifty eight percent who said Diaz and Stone. So going against our two, which isn't a bad idea to be honest. Going against our our wisdom and and choosing the uh, John Stones. It's in, Interesting, actually, at the World Cup now. Nathan Ake is staying. You're probably going to say all four of those centre backs start for their country, which could be a massive problem if England, the Netherlands, Portugal, and Spain make it to the last four of the World Cup, and then they've got Premier League games in the next sort of week or two. So that's one to watch out on. Um, we've got an in-depth pre-season preview planned for next week, so we'll we'll wrap up today's episode with. A little bit of fun. Um, we stuck another tweet out this week that, that got some decent traction at City Report Pod if you're not following us already. But we were basically asking listeners and followers to give us their 2022-23 hot takes. And I have to say, Adam, some of the responses were absolutely golden. I'm going to run through a couple now, and I just want you to give simple yes or no if you can see them coming true. Um, Alvarez will score more goals than Darwin Nunes. No. Brentford are going down. Yes. Interesting. I said no. Um, Julian Alvarez will take will have a bigger impact than Erling Haaland. In the short term or the long term? You decipher that yourself. It's a, it's a yes or no. I will say between now and Halloween, yes. <laughs> Scary stuff. Um, Liverpool won't compete for the title like they did in previous years. I want to say yes, because I've said about four years in a row that they're finally going to drop off, and they haven't, but I'm going to say no. Tottenham will win a trophy. No. Oh, I'm going yeah with that one. Um, Arsenal, this is bold. This is, this is very hot. Arsenal can finish second if Thomas Partey doesn't get injured. No. Chelsea finish below Arsenal and Tottenham. Yes. And to f- to wrap it up, Stefan Ortega will be City's number one within five games of the Premier League season. Fuck off. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> yeah. Just stop yeah. with that nonsense. I I'm I, I chose that one um, specifically to end it off. There's absolutely low. So go go through and look at the thread. There's there's so many bold there's so many good ones there's so many utter nonsense but I chose that one because there's a few people who said that they see Stefan Ortega sort of squirming his way into the number one shirt theoretically not literally but I just I I think my my coldest take 
of of this season will be this time next year, Stefan Ortega will be nothing more than a backup keeper. And all of this hysteria in pre-season about him coming in and challenging in the way that he's going to dislodge Edison will be will be exposed as being what it is, and which is just absolute bullshit. It's just an arm of the nonsensical Ederson slander. Mm, yeah. That's yeah, it. It's is... what it is. An arm that needs to be amputated. <laughs> it's got an infection. Um, I guess we'll finish then, Adam. You giving your 2022-23 your hot take, and, and I'm sure the listeners are expecting the, the fire extinguishers needing to come out after this, given your, your recent record of coming out with infernos. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how hot this is, but this is it's a it's a warm take. I will say that Nathan Ake will have more appearances than John Stones. Okay, so you think Nathan Ake will bump himself up? Is this sort of on on a level playing field or centre half to fit? Yes. Yeah, so you think Nathan Ake will be above John Stones in the pecking order come the end of the season? Not necessarily. I also think that he will play left back a bit uh, okay. enough that he will end with more appearances than John Stones. That's that's just the hot take. Whether that's at striker, keeper, center back, or midfield, <laughs> I believe that he will play more games than John Stones. Interesting. We'll wait and see. I think. I think mine. I was going to unleash it on the last pod, but I said no, and I think, oh, we've just got to a point where I'm going to have to. But to end the podcast, I'm going to. I'm going to say my hot take for the 2022-23 season is Julian Alvarez will. Oh, I can't, I can't believe I'm going to say it. Julian Alvarez will score more goals than Erling Haaland this year, and I think that is the perfect place to wrap. Adam, it's been a pleasure. Anything else to add? Nope, just looking forward to the season finally kicking off this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Saturday for UK Folk. What is it in the US for you? About midnight on Thursday or no? It's something there no. Else? It's it's actually reasonable. It's a nine a.m. kickoff. <laughs> the we were reasonable we were talking, nine a.m. Yeah, we were. I mean, we were talking off air about. Um, our work schedules for the beginning of the yeah. season because you know we do match reports and um, I was saying to you that I have a 3 a.m. league game to to start off the season. <laughs> that, sounds, so. that sounds like punishment. It doesn't even sound like work. It sounds like an actual <laughs> punishment you've been handed. 3 a.m. league on game. It's not even going to be a PSG Marseille, is it? It's not going to be a classic. Oh, absolutely it's, it's not. It's going to be like a breast versus It's two nonce. clubs that I can't pronounce their names. I don't know how to pronounce either of their names. And I know who they are. Like I've known the clubs for years. I genuinely can't pronounce their names. Well, in to, to stop us offending any French listeners, we'll we'll leave it there. Um, it's been superb as always. Listen, the questions are getting better and better by the week. Don't be afraid to keep sending those in at City Report Pod. You don't have to wait for us to send a tweet out if something pops into your head. Um, you can either drop us a DM, you can tweet us, you can tweet Adam or myself. Links de- links in the description, as always. Nearly swallowed my tongue, which would have been a terrible end to the episode. But, Adam, thank you very much, as always. We'll be back after the Liverpool Community Shield game, hopefully in jubilant fashion, having wrapped up the biggest trophy in English football for another season. Um, I've been Amos Murphy. I've been Adam Booker. And until next time, see you later.
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.